1: It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City, talking to Lackington, Andy Heaton, Alison McGovern, Rob Gutman, and Gareth Roberts to begin to sum up the week that was, to be honest with you, to talk about the feel good factor around Liverpool. We've got a pre recorded uh, interview with San Shetty about his book uh, that is also to come. And we're going to have a chat about transfers as well. Very much your areas uh, that you might want from this week. Let's go right the way through and let's have the final words on the final and on the aftermath of the final. Um, Rob Gutman, I haven't even had a conversation with you about it, how no. exciting this is. Um, it was um, it was an emotional rock and roll uh, roller coaster.
2: Yeah, and I would be lying if I said I wasn't still bereft. That's the only word I can think. It was I built. You know, we'd all built it up in our minds to be the massive thing that it obviously was. The biggest moment of all our young lives. And I'm fifty-one,
3: <laughs> but. Which is essentially part of the problem.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, I God, you know, I, I couldn't, I can control my excitement by the day, and I was, I was readying myself for the fact that it was a possibility that we could lose a football match to Real Madrid. That, that could happen. I knew that could happen. It was always on the cards. Well, I, I was with Steve. I was, I, I, I watched the game with Steve Graves, and we had a few drinks before the match. And I said to Steve, "You know what? Here's my last wish and my last will and testament, if you like, before we go into this game." I said. Let's let it not lose by it being a mad one. And he said, What do you mean? I said, I don't want one of ours sent off in the first 15. Aww. One of theirs to blam one in from 55 yards just because he plays for Real Madrid. Let it just be a, a game of football and we can see the best of ourselves. And we don't win that. I'll be gutted, but. Just, just not madness, so that it's all gone spoiled. Like someone's come into your party and tipped the whole table over. It, th- that's what it felt like. That you it, had exactly, your table
1: tipped over. I literally
2: felt like my whole table had been tipped was over. Was it your
1: party, and you could cry if you
2: wanted? Yes, I did. <laughs> Metaphors, everything abided. Yeah, it was. It was just so cruel. I don't, I don't think, even, even sort of in a run of the mill match, I, I can't readily recall a match where I think it's gone against us, and it's so cruel. Yeah, and people go, yeah, know, all made Madrid showed their quality. Bale's goal. They're the worthy winners. Get over it. But so much around that was cruel. So much of it was l- really long, odd stuff. Salah's injury was long, odd stuff. Karius doing a mistake, it's not a bad goalkeeper's mistake. That's like a child in a playground's mistake, mistake. It's worse than I am in goal mistake. These things were really several hundreds to one odds. Anyway, I'd better shut up. I don't know. Uh, Andy, <laughs> shut Rob up and move it forwards.
4: Yeah, it's really interesting. Was that like the pervading atmosphere watching it in and around town? Was there like the dread or was that just you being you? No.
2: So, uh, it, so what, I mean, so, so go on. No, Liverpool itself. I mean, geez, Liverpool itself in the build-up to the day was a carnival atmosphere. It was absolutely brilliant being in the city. Um, yeah, no, you, you know, all you. The, the banners were out everywhere. I don't. I don't think I've seen the city itself as ready and up for a final in, in my life as it was that day. You know, you used to seeing flags hanging outside windows in the 80s before cup finals, but it was a real carnival atmosphere.
4: Well, look, the only reason I ask is because I go back to 2007 and I was at that final and I was I was bereft, like upset, crying, not going to lie, but it was a different atmosphere over there. I mean, of, I don't know whether, how, what you think about it or, but it wasn't as gutting as what, I, I, I expected it to be, when in that final was completely in care of itself. Was it yeah, yeah. Of itself, there was just kind of a kind carnival of atmosphere, and it feels like whatever happens tonight, will go on somewhere. It didn't feel like the culmination of something, and yet it would be boss if he could win tonight and win that 60 European Cup, but it didn't feel like the end of anything. It felt like more the beginning, and I think that attitude carried on in the weeks after. I was over it within 24 hours, to be honest, maybe even shorter.
5: Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I, I've, I've written something on it that I think it's quite funny that I'm getting so many messages off blue noses and monks and whatever. And look, I, you know, I have plenty of goes at them, and I understand why they're doing it. And you know, it's all part of the game. If it was the other way around, I'd be absolutely laughing my head off. Um, but what what I mean by I'm laughing at it is that they think I'm I'm sitting in a dark room, rocking and depressed, and I'm not. I'm all right with it. I'm at ease with it. Um, I'm I'm with you a bit, Robin, in that, you know, it's unfortunate the way it went. Like, I I was the same. I was just like, look, if they go out there, they do what they're capable of, and they play as we've seen all season, if you like, and they get beat, then I'm just all right with that. Because, you know, what more can you ask of them? But, you know, the the goalkeeping mistakes in Everton does take a bit of the shine off it. Are you you mentioning
3: Salah? In pain. Uh,
5: yeah, that was horrible that was as well. Hard. You know, and I,
3: like I was watching it a bit again last night, and it got to that point, and I was just like, oh no, turn yeah. it off, turn
5: it off. It's horrible. Yeah, th- I think those aspects of it. But you know, I just walked out at the end, and I just thought, and in my town, a bit twee or whatever. But I was genu- I, I genuinely look at the season, and go, I'm, I'm proud of what they've achieved it, because I, I don't think anyone at the start of the season predicted anything like that, and to go to, to go so close to winning the European Cup. And getting secured in the top four place. You know, I, I see nonsense about sort of lowering sights and accepting mediocrity and all this sort of stuff. Just honestly, remember where we've been, though, in fairly recent times. That to me still represents a good season. Okay, there isn't a trophy to put in the cabinet at the end of it, but it's still an achievement. They still did well. They still provided us great nights, great days, excitement, boss goals. I think it was, it was 135 goals across the course of the season. Exciting football. So, I I honestly couldn't get too down about it. I was like Andy and that, you know, in Greece... Athens, everything about Athens was wrong from start. F- to It felt finish. like the end
4: of something, didn't yeah, it? And,
5: and, and, yeah, and you know you'd had Rafa sort of going mad and walking around stadiums and saying that he wasn't being supported, and you knew
1: that he had no bed in a hotel.
5: Yeah, and you, you knew it was all going wrong, didn't you? You knew it was it was like house of cards type stuff, and it, and
3: it, and it turned out to be so. didn't And it, it was because yeah. like, that was literally the career down the hill. Yeah. Where
5: well, does this feel? Like, I think it's right. To say, that's the that's the phrase that sums it up. But this is the start, not the end. This is just another step towards something because. It it feels like so much is right at Liverpool right now. And the now. team
3: is young. Um, and it was, I, d- I do think, the worst point for me was the pain on Mo Salah's face. And like the, the, the contrast between him holding that golden boot and then watching him go off in that way. It was really like, it was like how I remember as a, as a kid... Um, you know, so not not quite like the kind of Gaza moment of Italia 90, but something like that. A tragedy. A real tragedy. And, I, you know, my poor little girl had had her Mo Salah T-shirt on all day and, you know, didn't take it well, put it that way, being six. But... Rob's fifty-one. She was more manly than me. Well, <laughs> by the by the end of the game, she was saying, "You know, mommy and daddy, you've got to remember all of the goals that Mo has scored this season," which I felt was quite That's wise. Yes. But <laughs> Rob, do you remember
2: those goals? How long did it take you those to remember goals those? Goals are distant memories. My <laughs> yeah, old friends. Did, long this gone. is like <laughs> watching
4: a, a really good therapy session. I can yes. see Rob. Mm. Melting away and it all just washing off
2: them. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm gonna cry again before this is out. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> but it, but it felt, it felt oh, like yeah. they was, it felt like all the players on the pitch were still pretty young, and this would be a really hard experience for them. But sometimes it's good to know how to lose. Sometimes, yeah. actually losing on the biggest stage, like my goodness, that will teach you as a player of the game I have never been in that situation myself but I would imagine that teaches you in some ways more than winning doesn't it and it's exciting to think what they might go on and do next
2: uh, yeah I, the, one, the one consolation I had coming over when I calmed down was that there was a sense the frust- there was a sense of frustration and unfinished business I didn't feel we'd been obviously the scoreline is yes we were well beaten but I didn't feel we were well beaten I felt and, and I got in trouble with this on Twitter I said if there was to be a rematch in a week's time we to play them again have you watched it back? Uh
1: no it's interesting if you watch it back. Firstly, if they, they 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 do two or three really quite last ditch interceptions and they're defending well, but they're defending well in a way which says you can't keep defending like this, you can't keep the defending as well. The frame. the frame at the edges before the injury. But the other thing is, they haven't really bar one one effort, they haven't really opened us up up until the opening goal. Mm. And I think it's just really you know, it's it's frustrating to be honest on the one hand, because you get to see what we do, but you can also say, you know, they, they got themselves in at half time, they sorted themselves out, Andy, and the the the, the up until the atrocious first. Error, not the atrocious second error, up until the atrocious first error. They're playing some good football and they've got themselves 10, 15 yards higher on the, the
3: pitch. The, the, I think the commentary um, just before the Salah uh, injury goes something like, you know, Liverpool are in control here, Liverpool, have got, you know. And there hadn't been any absolute flares of like complete brilliance. Like there was no like, like gasp uh, moments, as there's been plenty this season. But there was definitely a feeling that we were in charge of the game, I think, right up until the injury. And then after the injury, you can see them just try to work it out. And bit by bit, they kind of do. Um,
1: the other thing to take from the game, um, the injury obviously has a massive impact. The mistakes, Gareth, um, after the fact, they're not going to affect stuff. For the support, we're going to talk about the feel-good factor in a minute. The one negative was the petition nonsense, which was just basically an insult to what petitions can, are meant to be used for.
5: Yeah, I still, I still can't get behind that. And I was very forthright on... on um... Online, basically about it, that it's not for me. I got loads of people commenting back, and and on the podcast we did earlier in the week where I was saying as well. But yeah, you know they're there for for good reason. They're there for things to you know, to, to fight for for rail seating. We've used them around hills. Where, grassroots or, as well. Right? Grassroots yeah. football is another one. There's a campaign at the moment as well to get the law changed around tyres on coaches, uh, which again, I think it is one that, you know, football fans should be supporting because we're traveling on coaches all the time and the idea that 10-year-old, 12-year-old tyres can be on coaches taking you up and down motorways is, is terrifying. But yeah, for me, I mean... What, what, I, what I don't like about it, not, not only the, the idea that it's it's not a, it's pointless for one, the game's gone, it's done, and we have to accept it and move on. But also, it's not going to result in anything. It's not like anyone's going to go, well, okay, then we're we'll going to have a way with Ramos because of these signatures. Also, as well, I think lots of people jump on it and go, ah, look, a Liverpool fan's weird, They're they won't accept it and all this. And I, I, I wouldn't mind betting that lots and lots, thousands of people that have signed that petition... I nothing to do with Liverpool. They signed it because they know it almost embarrasses us, makes us look a little bit silly. And it, it's just not for me. I don't I don't get the point of it. I don't get what it's for. It's done. And look, I, I get why you don't like Ramos. I get why he's the pantomime baddie. I get that you think a lot of people think he did what he did on purpose and all the rest of it. And it's the thing that us to carry us as well. But look, that's happened in football forevermore. And we'll go on to happen again. You know, it happens in football. There's, there's fellas who, who, who have a different line to other people that use different methods to try and win games. And some people accept that and just say it's part of the game. Other people get moralistic about it and say it needs to be stamped out. But it's always going to be there.
4: I mean, you, you talk about Ramos and the petition nonsense aside. And uh, just listening to Ali then about feeling sad about when, when Salah got injured. But and I know it's cliches a little bit, but you've got to take strength from that. You know, we've lost in the worst possible circumstances. You can play that game 100 times over. And those those incidents that happened that affected the game, Salah's injury, the goalkeeper, blah, blah, blah. Sports also has a beautiful way of coming back and biting you on the backside. And the character in this team it's a as a well.
5: story as well, isn't it? You know, like yeah, the boxer exactly. gets knocked out and then comes exactly. back and wins the world championship. you think he's boss. Exactly. But imagine when we win him. Exactly.
4: <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. You know how the story ends. You know how the story ends. But the final next year is Atletico Madrid Stadium. Liverpool, Mid-Real Madrid, Madrid final in their stadium.
5: Carrius comes on and scores the winner. Oh,
6: yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what,
1: There's
5: that. the redemption. Yeah. There's
4: redemption. <laughs> really, yeah, exactly. No, but it, the story isn't ended.
1: It isn't ended. We're going to talk about the feel-good factor and the other knock-on effects from this, including the goalkeeper. Uh, just after this, it's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Don't go anywhere. It is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City talking Neil Atkinson, Andy Heaton, Alison McGovern, Rob Gutman and Gareth Roberts all with you. And we're getting stuck into the feel-good factor aspect of all of this. It, very quickly, uh, Rob, um, in the aftermath of the game, football doesn't stop and the human side was demonstrated around the goalkeeper on the whole, but football doesn't stop and straight away you see that the Liverpool have gone out and bought a player. Now that must have been the real start of your, your, you being comforted <laughs> post the defeat. My,
2: my rehabilitation, yeah. It, that... Uh, on a show up for the Anfield Rapper earlier today, we talked about exactly this. It was one of the... I mean, people we talked about, is it an old-school Liverpool transfer? I think it's out on its own as a really unique transfer. Anybody who was sort of just refreshing their social media, it went... I think it, it goes from being a rumour in the French media to being a done deal with a player holding his shirt up saying how much he's always supported Liverpool. Or words to that effect. <laughs> within one hour, 45 minutes. But within that one hour, 45 minutes, if you're on the likes of Twitter... Everything that plays out in a four-month transfer saga was there for you. From people going, the French media have linked and people responding on social media go, yeah, well, you know what, they just make stuff up. It's all agent-linked talk. To, and somebody else has just mentioned this to me. Well, maybe there's legs in this. To this building momentum that you normally see over several months condensed into this crazy hour 45 it, it was, was almost too quick for me it
3: was, it was like it was like the clubs decided right these people need therapy let's just do intensive transfer business over a concentrated period of time like a kind of shot to the arm for all of
4: that Ali, Ali what did they say yeah. a week's a long time in politics 60, it, yes. 62 minutes is a long time in the transfer it was window. the
1: length of like, yeah. time of a meal we had <laughs> that was the and Gareth we were having a meal yeah. in Germany and basically when we sat down and ordered people were saying oh there's something, there might be something in this for being your thing and then by the time we literally got the bill we were like we're I've got to go and do a show on this now. It's happened. That was the turnaround. Yeah, and then, and then
5: you know, and then they, they put up the little, Liverpool put up the little video of them just looking dead hard and boss. <laughs> and, and it was like at, at that point, I decided we had to start a party on the bus. I not, thought it was a hoax. Not, not least as well, because, you know, we snatched them out of Man United, and seemingly as well, which is. Yeah, you know, always good for me.
2: You know, that when the first image came up on social media, the picture of Fabinho, the, the club, I think, put it out with the picture yeah. of him holding up his shirt. I thought it was a hoax. I thought, you know, you're we all social media, you're we all savvy to these kind of things. My first thing was to check and double-check. like, there's no way. There's no way. But it was...
3: if we, we I really had... actually admire the comms management of this. I mean, yeah. whatever else you might think about, like, our football club and its various talents and different aspects of running its business, just the comms of this was really impressive. Oh, like, hmm. like, they should... Whoever... Internal to LFC, decided right. This is how we'll do it within an hour, right? And we'll like we'll do it. Classic social media. Like we'll just get the image out there and let it get its own legs. Like hats off to them. Hats
2: even off. if even if it was a, a I mean, someone was a cynical move to deflect from the from from the losing the final. If it was, it was the best cynical. No, move. No, no.
3: <laughs> move the story on. Just move the yeah, story on. Exactly. Sometimes that's sometimes you know. Uh, as Andy was saying, in, in politics, like you would call that a dead cat. It's like just throw down the dead cat, and everyone will be like, "Oh, look, it's a dead cat," and forget about whatever it was else this that was, was a the cat Yeah, this, whereas this was like a boss cat, a six foot
2: two, gorgeous <laughs> midfield, central midfield cat. All of this, though, if,
1: what it strikes us is the, the the core thing that it does. We were in care of Gareth, and the the the, the feel good factor I thought was massive, and the feel good mm. factor coming out of it's massive, and. You know, I think that there's lots of aspects that feel good factor. I think Klopp personifies a fair bit of it and people take the lead from the manager. I think the fact that there's a general source of faith for the first time in a couple of years, that one, there's a bit of money to spend. Two, there's transfer planning. Three, there's what Ali referred to before, both on and off the pitch of a youth factor. The crowd, to me, at the final felt younger. Yeah. Uh, the people around it and the lads who were on the pitch are younger. That's
3: interesting. Yeah. Like, as in the, the supporters... Like, the average age has actually lowered.
1: It seems to have lowered, and it certainly seems to have lowered for the final and the people who were there. There's no want-away players. All of this coalesces into the fact that, you know, that it's a summer that everyone's bouncing into now, which is which it shouldn't be off the back of this sort of 3-1 defeat in the European Cup final. But the actual, the converse has happened. People are absolutely bouncing.
5: Yeah, there's because no, there's normally a, a problem of sorts, isn't there? There's normally either, you know, you're at a point where you're starting to have your doubts about the manager. We haven't got that. You, you have a problem because your star player is being linked to a move away and is leaving. We haven't got that. We've got M.A. Chan leaving, but no one's particularly bothered. You know, you can almost it to yourself that we've already upgraded potentially with the lad coming in. And, and there just doesn't seem to be huge problems around it. But okay, people are trying to make the goalkeeper into one teams that you know that were fairly strongly linked with a couple of keepers, and it looks like they'll move for one. I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't feel feel any aspect of, of a crisis club there whatsoever. There's no. It doesn't really feel like there's any kind of problem child on the books that you need to get rid of or you need to deal with. Just everything about the club feels fairly positive. You know, the manager you say leads the way, and he does lead the way because you see him partying and singing at six o'clock in the morning straight after the match. And there's a father who's saying. I'm living in the right now. And in the right now, we got to a final, we lost it and we're looking at Ed. We've already bought another player. I'm thinking about next season and we're going to come back harder, stronger, and we're going to beat you and we're going to win Sutton and it's going to be great and we're going to go back to Europe and, and have another go. And that's what you want to think about. That, that Already, I can't wait to see this side again and I can't believe we've got to wait for you know, go to a it's World rude, Cup to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I'd them the play in a car park tomorrow. Just chip the
5: World Cup and just start playing. Let, let Liverpool play instead.
4: There seems, for the first time in since I can remember, it seems to be a distinct lack of cynicism mm. around the club. And I think I, I think you mentioned the talk about the team, but I think the young lads and the amount of young lads who are in Kiev and who've been on this journey all the way through Rome, etc. I think they've underpinned it because we're of an age now where we've seen it with a little bit. I wouldn't say moody. Bought you question everything. No, you think you're a little bit. I'd never hear smart. that said. <laughs> but. They've kind of re-energised. You could see it in the fans' park, which was brilliant.
5: Which was organised by the club exactly. in conjunction with fans. Exactly. Even that team. significant. Exactly.
4: So some finally some joined up thinking. Yeah. Young lads fueling it all. And you're getting cynical out men like me and you getting back into it with, with, with Abandon.
3: So and Neil
5: rocking around with Pyro and that. <laughs> well, yeah.
3: Because
2: yeah, I know he is now.
3: Uh, only in a safe and controlled manner, I think. <laughs> oh,
2: of course.
3: But, but this, I think there's two things. Firstly, if you think about, like, Trent coming out to the crowd, like, when we got through to the final and, mm. like, demonstrating that he is one of those young lads. Like, he could play for us for another 10 years, mm. which uh, kind of amazes me. But also, from the point of view of those people who weren't watching it in Kiev, I think you didn't, you sort of had an awareness and a sense that it had all been handled quite a lot better. I mean, going into it, I had quite a lot of dread as to how it would be handled and that we'd have our supporters in quite difficult situations, mm. given all the context around it. But it seemed to be actually the opposite was the case and that it had been handled pretty well for all concerned and that everybody had a really amazing time. Which is, if you think about the challenge, you know, flights getting messed up and that sort of thing aside, think about the challenge of getting all of those supporters there in a good mood. It's pretty amazing.
1: There's, I think what's important, Rob, and to take from the season as a whole and take this energy as a positive we need to find a way to keep a collective resilience. I think a little bit that you know you, you look at the way the manager managed the whole season now, and we will do season reviews on the Anfield wrap to come. But it's more the idea of things aren't always going to go our way on and off the pitch as supporters of this football club, and it's finding the right way to sort of to have that idea that we we you know. Being able to shrug our shoulders, maybe to a little bit more. Being able to say, you know what, all right, that's one of them, but we'll, we'll we'll get sorted through this or this, and either that's through a communications thing with the club, or it gets sorted on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? Like we can't we can't get into a situation where every everything that goes against us drives us absolutely mad.
2: No, I think that's absolutely right. Now, I think although I bemoan the mm-hmm. nature of our defeat in the final. Uh, and painful as that was, I think it serves, it served a purpose. The, sen- the sense of injustice, the sense of unfinished business, it, normally a, a heavy defeat for a big club in a final exposes fault lines and leads to inquests. For example, if it had, had it been a more normal match and Liverpool lost 3-1, 4-1, you'd have had, the whole talk could have been how Liverpool have got this soft centre. Whereas really the talk was, the only negative spin on it was, yeah, Liverpool really could do with the new keeper. Well, we kind of knew yeah. that. It's one problem that needs fixing. It, wasn't a, it didn't expose that Liverpool have a structural problem. So, therefore, all the positives were still able to stay in place. Also,
3: was he even, I mean, okay, so he's not like the best keeper in the world, but. He's not no. <laughs> no, but they he's not no, he's not no. Accidents. Yes, exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. It was like, it was like, it, it was freakish, like bad mistakes that will haunt him forever, you know actually that we could all play a role in it not haunting him forever you know like yeah. like people get to make freakish mistakes in football they do and move on from it so maybe you should be allowed to do that but it doesn't reveal some sort of like massive weakness that like we all knew that we kind of didn't have the best keeper in the world we haven't for some time, and we all knew that. He's beforehand. not as bad
2: as that either. That's that's no. the thing that has to be acknowledged. Terrible as those mistakes were, he's not that well, bad. That's what makes it more the, the, sad. The, the mistakes
4: thing, he doesn't make he doesn't make the second mistake if he doesn't make, make the first mistake. I think that the first mistake Kettles has head that much that he becomes hesitant. I think if it just doesn't happen, it just doesn't happen. The amount of times where really, you see it with goalkeepers in one mistake and then he follow up with another mm. one. The other side of it is. I don't know. He, this sounds ridiculous, but he made three really good saves in the game. He made one from the volley at the one-on-one with Ronaldo, and there was another instance as well when when he came flying off his line. Now I'm not defending. I'm not. Look, that isn't me defending him. Those mistakes are indefensible. Good. But it's an absolute, absolute freak. But yeah, again, it, I, I I I don't know where he goes, Mere. I don't think he plays for the pool again.
1: But don't you? No, I think he does, but I think there's a number. I think he comes in as a, number, as a league cup keeper. Yes, I totally agree. I've, no, no. I, I Do you think he just has to move. I on?
4: think he's has I, I I said this elsewhere. I think you're in a situation now where you were with Dudek after Fallon. He was never ever the same, and he's in an age where he needs to play. He's not young. I know he's the same age as that. He's not. He's at an age. He's twenty-five.
1: He needs to be starting. He needs. He needs, he needs, to,
4: he needs yeah. to be starting somewhere now, or this could
1: really, really damage. Do you not think he has him? almost a if, year of rehabilitation, if, rehabilitation if at Liverpool exactly and then the moves? If, on?
4: if I, if I, no, because I think Liverpool will go out and sign a big keeper when he doesn't get a look in anyway. If I was his agent for his, for the benefit of his own career, forget about Liverpool for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely.
4: For the benefit of his own career,
1: yeah.
4: And for him personally, I'd be looking at getting out. Um, and I'd, and if he went, I'd send the best wishes. And I'm pretty sure the club would. Um, I, I just think it's if he tries to hang around, this could really damage his career, you know, long term. And he's looking at ten years at, at the top level if, if he if he picks the
2: right move.
3: I thought the way that he handled it was brave. You know, he didn't he didn't hide from it. He went. Yeah, I back it was out brave. and like you know, gestured to the fans and everything. Oh, yeah, I, I f- thought. It was I I I, I, d- I don't know. I think when you make big mistakes, you know, in full public glare of millions of people watching around the globe, I think you've got to own it. He's tried to do that. Yeah, I I, think you know, you might be right, Andy. That actually, an offer comes in where he gets to like like be the be the number one keeper somewhere and that that's a better strategy for recovery. I want want to
4: succeed. And I really want to, yeah, to yeah, succeed.
3: No. But I just think I just think it freakish mistakes don't need to be career-ending.
1: I think it's all going to be behind closed doors How that one place. I think conversations with agents is interesting. Conversations between Klopp and t- and his teammates will be interesting in senior players, and I think between Klopp and him. And that's how we'll see how it all comes out. Listen, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. There's so much to talk about. I feel like we've been away forever, uh, but we are back after the break. I, t- I spoke to Sanchetti before the final, which again feels like it was a year and a half ago, about his book, uh, which is a really, really good one. Uh, we had a chat about tactics in football. Don't go anywhere want to take the opportunity to thank our partners, Redbet, for the help they've given us throughout the course of the season. Uh, hopefully, you've been able to sign up. If you haven't, it's completely understandable. Uh, please do gambleaware, be gambleaware.org for that sort of stuff, as you know. Uh, but, you know, we, we continue to partner with them over the summer. They're going to have stuff coming on the World Cup, fantasy leagues and all of that sort of thing. We'll be talking with them about that and uh, and ways in which we can let you know all about it. But just want to take the opportunity to thank you if you signed up uh, and thank them uh, for partnering with us. And, uh, yeah, this is the Anfield Wrap, Radio City Talk. Shall we get back on with it? We should, shouldn't we? Really? Welcome back, Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson in with Dan Morgan for this little bit of a segment of this show. I'm with Sanjeev Shetty, Shetty, who's written a book called Total Football, a graphic history of the world's most iconic football soccer tactics. Football tactics goes right the way through from uh, the 1950s, from um, Real Madrid, Eintracht Frankfurt and England, Hungary, right the way through until the present day,
0: Sanj. And um, it looks gorgeous. Thanks for having me, by the way. No problem. Um, it, yeah, it does look like, look nice. Like I've said, uh, it looks better than it reads. But, um, yeah, no, it was, um, it was kind of an idea that evolved from a discussion that I had with my editor probably about a year or so ago about how we put together an all-time team of greats, 1 to 11. Uh, and she, who's much smarter than me, decided that what we should do was a tactics-based book uh, on all the formations and tactics that have been employed since 1953, which is that game between England and Hungary. Um, so that's where we've gone. And then I sat down with some people that I work with, and we listed what we thought were probably the the most iconic and the most game-changing type tactics in those uh, 60, 70 years. Um, and we've come up with the list that we've got. You've done it by focusing on matches. That's really
1: interesting. What you've done is repeatedly focused on on different games at different stages and sort of I've drawn, literally drawn, but also drawn out the reasons why those those matches were particularly significant.
0: That's right, that's right. Um, and I think that was, again, that was because of the original idea that I had, but also the conversations that I've had with people. And it should be pointing out that I wasn't alive in either 1953 or 1960. Um, and those are some of the games that we've talked about, uh, Real Madrid versus Eintracht, Frankfurt, Hungary, England going through then to uh, Inter Milan and the Gio side in the 60s and total football in uh, the 70s with Holland and the, sorry, the Netherlands and and the great Ajax side. Um, and it was easy to chart where football has gone from there through to now. I've just been having a conversation with Dan where we said that a lot of what Pep Guardiola says descends from that Hungarian side of the 50s, the idea of a false nine that takes away defenders and doesn't make you concentrate on the centre forward that, in theory, you've always been marking and you couldn't track their movements. And there's, that false nine is so prevalent to this day and has been prevalent during periods of football time. Just on that, Dan, you're going through the book. You've looked through it. I've
1: looked through it. One of the things that strikes me with with the, the way in which the use of graphics works within it is it does tell the story of the creation of space. And I think it's quite easy to sort of verbally discuss the creation of space, whether you're writing it or you're saying it. But I think a lot of the time you almost need to visualise that creation of space, and the book allows you to do that. And you know, he's mentioned the false nine there, but the, you know, the, it's it's a running theme through the book. There's an argument in there that Keegan is effectively acting like that and might create space for people to fill. And that to me is you know, it's space remains the eternal football question: how you create space, how you do it differently, how you do it in a way that disrupts an opposition.
6: Yeah, and to illustrate that in in book form, like you say, is is really interesting. And I think I think we've seen down the years. Most recently, the involvement of Neville and Carragher on Sky, visualising it through their programme and, and through their their images and stuff is it has been something that people have really bought into. So to to then, like you say, put it in, in graphic format is, is a lot more informative, I'd say, than just to to try and give it in a narrative sense and, and to tell you in black and white. And I think the idea of space, and, and particularly like we were talking about um, – with Puskas' aside and, and all of those those things those tactics is that these things always evolve it's not like these things are revolutionary tactical ideas it's that it's just the reinvention of the wheel in many forms and it's just about willing to go back in time enough to see when it was first invented and in what form and and it's interesting to then see how it's evolved in the modern game and how how managers and, and coaches have have then developed it into their own method yeah. of playing line with with football now
0: I mean, it's interesting that I I didn't realise this until I started researching the book, but uh, Catanaccio, although we associate with the Italians, was a Swiss concept back from the 1930s. Um, And that's where it all came from. And the idea is I think it was called the bolt formation. So you put a bolt on the the forward line that you're playing against to to basically shut the door. And that was something that I, I didn't know and that I found quite fascinating. And also the fact that, Catanaccio, you gave something a name, almost like you know, with Liverpool with the transfer committee a few years and we gave it a name and with Catanaccio we gave it a name and we always associate it with stopping teams from playing. But it's still prevalent in modern football. I just used it once to talk about the Italian side in the 1960s but I left out teams that I think use a form of that because I don't think they're perhaps revolutionary in the way that say Guardiola is revolutionary with his use of the force nine um, because he's using different players from different teams whereas I think when he used it say for instance at Barcelona he had Messi and of course you design a system around Messi and now he's at City he's been at Bayern Munich and he's always catered his methods to these different types of players that he has there's, there's, One of the things that occurred to me when, when, when going through the book Sanj is this
1: is the the fact that we talk because the way in which we have to talk about formations, we talk about them as blocks of numbers, and we use, even use the phrase low block, medium block, high block. We keep using the phrase block, uh, whereas I think something you are sort of trying to really put over repeatedly within the book is these aren't blocks. In that it's impossible to have blocks that you can you can try and, and you can succeed to some extent to 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 stop that sort of football from. Being successful, which is more fluid, but what what repeatedly comes through is that the is that there the, the, there are these huge gaps across the the enormity of a football pitch. You only have ten outfield players, yeah. plus a goalkeeper. You know that's it, and you've got to be able to cover all of this ground. And so, therefore, it's about sort of pulling those blocks apart.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing that we've all heard in the last so many years, and I think we talk a lot more about football tactics now than we used to say 10 years ago, five years ago, is the idea of controlling space, as you just talked about with Dan. And I think that is what a lot of coaches have worked on. I think possibly the, the emphasis on it has come since about the the mid-1980s with Arrigo Sacchi at Milan. That was his idea of controlling space, and he's taken that forward. And then other coaches, like, for instance, Rafael Benitez, and Jose Mourinho have talked about controlling space, so it's not just about blocking, but it's about where those players are on that pitch to make sure that they're covering their zones of, of 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 controlling those zones of areas of spaces, and and making sure that if they're defending, that's what they're doing in that area, and if they're attacking, that's what they're doing in that area as well. It's noticeable there is not very much he
1: says, or Jose Mourinho within the book. In fact, there is none of either. Um, you've you've gone right the way through without touching on the, the, the those tactics that sort of arguably reshaped English football in the middle of the previous decades.
0: That's right. And I'm going to blame some other people for this, but I'm not going to name them. Um, it, a lot of these games were were picked out through discussions with other people who know a lot about football, who talk about football. And the idea we came forward with was that while undoubtedly Jose Mourinho and Rafael Benitez are great coaches, they're perhaps not innovators. They perhaps have just used existing systems or old systems and fine-tuned them. And then you'll say that perhaps that's what I've done all the way through the book. But I think all the way through the book, we've we've tried to pick out teams that other teams tried to copy and copied successfully and then made them different. And I don't think either Jose or Rafael – um, are those people? I'm sure, given the way that um, the cut file turned turned out, um, that uh, Josie Marino is probably in an argumentative mood. And if you ever read this book, I'm sure I'll get a phone call. But. That's that's just the way I saw things. I didn't see him as an innovator. Well, it's just... interesting as well. The of Ferguson's teams that you've selected
1: is the is the the the, the fluid front three with Ronaldo, Rooney, and Tevez, which was you know noticeably different. It gets that unbelievable result against Rome, for instance. You know you you've you've selected that one. You haven't selected a mid nineties side. You've selected that one, which is partially
0: informed by those changes, but which also then takes them on another level with that fluidity in that attack. Yeah, it's funny because I remember speaking to a colleague of mine about that who covered Manchester United during that period. And he said, if you were going to pick out one tactical game for Sir Alex Ferguson, the team and the performance that got them the European Cup in 2008 wasn't the one that he would have picked out of. But it was certainly the one that we remember the most um, because he was up against the Chelsea side who had many layers with which they could beat you. Um, And he had that fluid front three, as you said, but he had amassed by that stage so much talent in so many different areas that that team was able to play two or three different kind of formations and tactical shapes during that season, Um, as opposed to when he started his dominant period at Manchester United, where I'd like to think that Manchester United team of the early 90s is quite similar to the current Liverpool side, which could break at pace with power and with speed. And I think he'd taken the edge off that by 2008. He wanted to have that as one of the things he could do. So when we examined Sir Alex Ferguson and all his tactical changes, we didn't just look at one game. We tried to look at it from that 27 years that he was there. Um, alright then the book is called uh, Total Football uh, a graphic history of the world's
1: most iconic soccer tactics uh, by Sanjeev Shetty uh, it is a gorgeous looking book and he shouldn't talk the writing within it down either we'll not have any false modesty on this show it's against the Anfield Raps core principles uh, we uh, we very much be- we very much believe in the principle of backing yourself uh, but it takes itself right the way through 60-70 uh, years of football uh, from all-out attack to Catanaccio uh, for a lovely very 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 well argued chapter about what Liverpool were doing in 1976-77 778 about the creation of space and the use of Keegan and Highway in terms of doing that so that midfielders could join the front line. Uh, a focus on the underrated French side of 1998 and in terms of what they did and how they gave Zidane the platform in order to become Zidane, going right the way through to the current German uh, outlook on football and Pep Guardiola. You can ask for no more and it is in shops from the 7th of June. Uh, it's on Aub- Aurum Press uh, and uh, thank you very much to Sancho for coming in. Great to speak to Sanj there. I uh, really do get onto his book. It's very, very good indeed. Uh, just entitled, again, it's Total Football, a graphic history of the world's most iconic soccer tactics. How oh, is was uh, great. I really loved it to see him, actually. Uh, graphic history, by the way, makes it sound like a very different type of book. It isn't. It's a history with <laughs> graphics, uh, to be quite clear. Uh, we're going to talk about transfers briefly, and I'm, I'm going to keep Rob out of the transfer conversation oh. for as long as possible because my marker point on transfers is always Gareth. If Gareth is excited about transfers, it means that transfers are exciting. It's not like the whole concept always gets his attention. And, Gareth, it's first to say you are excited you're excited because you can see the track record of the club last couple of seasons in Mm. the market but you're also excited because you can see it's quite clear how the club can push on
5: yeah absolutely and and the fact that they've already done business and already bought a big player for £40 million is a huge statement of intent how many many times we said that phrase how many times we said we want one but we've made one already, and like you know, the season's barely over. The World Cup's still to come, and it seems that they want to get one or two more over the line before the World Cup or ball's even kicked on the World Cup. So it, it is really exciting. It does feel like they know what they're doing now, and and that has no always been the case. I mean, look, plenty of praise rightly now heading in the direction of the likes of Michael Edwards and his crew. But, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's fine to it say. It'll be the of your peace no, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think it's fine to say though that in the past it, it wasn't yep. it wasn't always this way, and, and, and you know we criticised them then. We're saying they're good now. And maybe it can all turn around again. Hopefully not, but yeah, well in mate right now. It's right uh, the group. You know, it it'd still be good if you, you know, he spoke. Me personally, that that's only my view. People keep asking me for that as well. Like, do you still think he should speak? Yeah, I do, because he's in a, he's basically a director of football for Liverpool Football Club, and it's a really important role. And it'd be nice if he spoke about it now. But apparently, it's not for him. So fair enough. Um, and if he keeps signing belters, I can probably cope with it more and more. And maybe in a couple of years, I'll just say nah at Sand and being silent. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's a silent crew. Am I allowed to talk, Neil? Um, what I want to talk to know. you about is, is oh, the transfers to, to follow. We've got for, we've got for yeah. You in. Yeah, put your Michael. Edwards, do you, Michael Edwards, impression? Maybe got that me. could
3: be Michael Edwards' strategy. Like he could make Rob his like representative here on earth. Maybe here he on is on yeah, he's yeah, exactly. a chemistry here on
2: earth. Yeah, he walks amongst <laughs> us through uh, me. See, <laughs>
3: exactly. yes. I'm just curious to where I am on the excitometer of a
4: uh,
1: transfer. Where are you on the excitometer? Like you what, tell what, me what your marker is. I think you're probably you're about. So if Rob's like the the extreme at the bottom of the ladder, like constantly excited I like to to the
2: top of the ladder okay the top of the ladder <laughs>
1: constantly excited and Gareth's pretty close to the bottom of the ladder on the excitement front you're probably about three rungs above Gareth and seven rungs below Rob right that seemed fair you'll take that I mean this, the, to this, is the, this is the radio yeah. that everyone wanted to listen to Rob what I was going to ask you was Liverpool now nah, the next one that is rumoured to be following quite quickly or hot in the heels is, is Nabil Fakir mm. That will put Liverpool in a position where they would have eight midfield, eight lads who you can nominally, in some way, shape or form, call midfielders. Now, they all do different types of midfielding. That's before you'd even refer to grewich so just run through them. They can also do other things, so Fabinho, for instance, is meant to also be able to play right back for Keir, can play in the front three if he comes in. Oxlade-Chamberlain, front three. Wijnaldum's been shifted around loads. Milner left back, and on top of that, you've got Henderson, Lalana, and Nabi Keita. My point is, this looks like a club who've, who've assessed what's happened this season, and have done the thing that I remember clubs doing 10 years ago, which is to conclude you can never have enough good sentiments.
2: Yeah, this plays out one of two ways, I think. I think. Um, one is that these lads who bring on Naby which must can't I can't repeat enough. Don't forget Naby Keita It's so you know, we 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 sort of celebrated but hesitated celebrating his signing because we didn't actually have him last year. Getting Fabinho in also sort of reminded me in a way that we also have Nabi, so it feels like there's there's two attacks. And there's
3: two... Feels, it feels like we've never had the nabi Kaita party. Maybe. We've never. Yes, yeah.
2: that's exactly right, Alison. So we, we've got we've got these lads in, and if they're just. Decent and, and and very good. They're, they'll be at the level of the midfielders we've got, like Jordan Henderson and James Milner. If they're very good. And that will we'll have this depth, and that'll increase our chances, I think, of winning one of the domestic cups as much as anything, because we'll be able to to, to be strong at, at every level of every competition. But my hope is, my hope is not hope, I think what the manager is aiming for. Is that there becomes a, uh, that these new lads coming in are so good that Fabinho proves himself so good. Now because it fulfills his destiny to be a world class star. That Fakir is is the next big thing. He's, he's as good as Coutinho if not better. That they're so good that there becomes almost a, we have the problem we have with the front three now, a good problem to have. That there's drop off in quality almost, and so the depth is sort of like a short term. Uh, Do you understand the paradox here, in a way? If they're that good, we're going to be crying out for more of them. You know, at the beginning of last season, we've got Axelay-Chamberlain. He provides depth for the front three. Well, well as he's done, he's not at the level of Mane and Firmino and Salah. So we still feel we need another front three player who's very, very good. So my hope is that they're just, you know, of the level of the front three.
1: I think that that's that, that'll be the aim. Allison. you know, he's going in there to get to, 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 to buy uh people who can, who can who can who can knock around at this level and also, you know, that that, that is also gonna be the aim for the goalkeeper. You know, he's got three or four runners and riders for the goalkeeper position and it looks at least three of them in Allison or Black and Courtois, you can say it all massive step up, steps up on what we've already got without any shadow of a doubt.
3: Yeah, I think that's right. And just taking one step backwards to oxlade Chamberlain, I think and not to like, you know, re legislate the final and the causes of what happened, I felt actually him getting injured did have quite a big impact. And I felt like it, in the build-up, the if I, I felt like that had much more of an impact at the end of the 90 minutes, I realised, than I thought. And I think that's because what he brought to the team was not just an ability to kick a football around, but it was an ability to understand how the team worked and how the team should function. And the worry for me is that if we get into this... Um, self-fulfilling thing of needing depth and we need more depth and we need more depth then you forget that actually you've got to make players function together and there's got to be there's got to be a strength in their ability to change in and change out and I think possibly not all of our players currently understand that and are able to perhaps because they're young are able to bring that kind of connectivity between the team so yeah there's you, more
2: delicate chemistry than we've.
3: Yeah, I think it is quite a delicate chemistry, and whilst I, th- I think the signings are quite exciting, what I think is untested and what we just don't know is what do they add to the chemistry, what do, they, what, yeah. do, what, do they, what do they bring to the ability for the team to know what club wants and when we need to change, how to change and that is won't be tested until we're in the heat of a season.
4: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right and I, and I would stating the obvious but I think the better you are as a football team it, it gets increasingly more difficult to find the pieces that improve you as well. Yeah. Um, I'd, Just on the, the Oxide Chamberlain thing I think I no reference there about the team feeling together they, they seem like a really really good group as well to come into so if you're you know, but everyone's right everyone's just assuming it's going to be a total change with Keys coming in and Fabinho coming in I mean, unfortunately for Oxide Chamberlain, we may be looking at pre-season before we see, we see him again Yeah. But yeah, just I I, I agree. with you, and I, I did I did give that thought. I think someone of his, I, I think we missed the, the, the lad in the final there, and what a redemption that would have been for him. Given that you know, we did yeah. Arsenal didn't particularly want him, and then he come up here and done so well. But it almost
2: just adds to what I was saying before about the momentum going forward, you've got these things to look forward and to.
3: And he's not old either. I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting
2: how upset, just how upset Oxlade-Chamberlain was. Do you see the, the images I of did. him yeah. on crutches yeah. crying? And what that said to me was, that's not a man who's just about himself, he's not an individual. You know, it was a personal tragedy for him that he missed the final, but he wanted that team to win. He felt part of that unit, okay, they were going to bring him a medal but- home potentially, but that the whole was important the, to him. Well,
1: just on that the togetherness, Gareth, the togetherness that's, Demonstrated, I think Alison's making reference to it and he is as well, that you've, that, that it was noticeable in Klopp's statements around Fabinho and you suspect it'll be noticeable in his statements around all the players that he's talked about them as people and as trainers. Mm. It was also noticeable that the the the, the Monaco uh, vice president or president spoke of Fabinho as a person and as a leader as well and that you do sort of get the impression that Klopp very much likes the footballers he has as people to work with on a day-to-day basis and he wants more people who fit the mould of people he wants to work with as much as being good footballers. Yeah,
5: absolutely. There's a, there's 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 psychological profile going on. There's no there's no doubt about it for me. That you know the the looking into that and you, you've seen that. it's a really good piece and it's actually quite old, but you, you can dig it up if you look hard enough um, around. You know, Barry, Barry Hunter um, and what he did at Manchester City before when they were looking yeah. at. I think it was um, Sanchez. And it's like, you know, they found out that he was playing the piano and playing tennis and what he was doing after work, if you like, and whether he stayed behind in training and all kinds of things. You know, this formed this huge dossier before they were even considering signing him. And you guess that that type of thing goes on at Liverpool now. And that's probably why, you know, the hit rate is pretty decent. I mean, I was just looking here and, you know, it's still really only 11 players that Klopp signed since he's been here because you don't really think you can count Meninger and you don't really think you can count Corker. Um,
1: so, Could have done one last five against Real. Well, yeah,
5: maybe throw them up front, yeah. But, uh, but you know, the hit rate is really good there. And also, uh, you know, I, I take on board what Alison was saying before, but I think at the same time, they've built a lot of trust to say that they're fairly good at picking the right people now in terms of not only, as you say, a good player, but good people, people with, with, with good worth, ethic. People are going to come in and get on with everyone, which I think Klopp is massive on as well. So, you know, he's got the thing, hasn't he, that he makes them all sing a song when they first come in. Um, he
3: makes them sing he a makes song. makes them sing a song
5: yeah. in front of everyone. Karaoke style. Yeah. Karaoke style. Yeah. Back so o- almost embarrassing them if you're like early.
3: Wow.
4: You know what, I'm gonna. I thought Neil brought that in. <laughs> <laughs> going back to the because he, he looked stunned when we said karaoke to him, didn't he? Absolutely Take overjoyed. Back, I mean, I think
5: I've made the point before, but I think it's it, it's an important one that, you know, so many football teams, even really good ones, even really successful ones, you've heard about cliques and you've heard about so players not getting on with each other and all that sort of stuff, whereas Klopp is massive on the being a togetherness and that's why you see... Oxley, Chamberlain, crying and that sort of stuff. It's, and
3: it's almost impossible to have a successful organisation that doesn't. Yeah. That doesn't have that, um, and almost all organisations that have got great potential but perform at a lower level than their potential, it's because of cliques and it's because of people, you know, arguing over the little things and forgetting the big thing that they're trying to achieve. And I think yeah. the reason why we all trust Klopp quite a lot is that you instinctively feel like that he's got the big goals in mind and that. He's not there on telly playing mind games, you know. If if it's gone badly, he'll say, "Well, it wasn't that great, and this is why." But here's, you know, he's always yeah. absolutely really straightforward. And you see how well that kind of culture of everyone just being really straightforward with each other is—that's what's making it work. Well, you've,
4: you've, you've only got to look at the, the players who aren't in the sides. Clavin's never been a problem. Never here the peep yeah. out of him. Simon Migler, I've look, I've been the biggest critic, but you look at his attitude leading up to the final, he's on, yeah. getting yeah. straight in, celebrating the wins. You look at Danny Ward, pelting it over to us at, at, at the final whistle. Yep. You know what I mean? In certain clubs, you'd be sitting there thinking, ah, well, see, hey,
2: none of that, none of that. Henry Chan together. even's knuckling down yep all together Get themselves through
1: for the final this has been a fantastic City Talk there's going to be so much transfer stuff to talk about on the Anfield Rap. Uh, right the way through the summer you know where we are AmfieldRap.com forward slash subscribe for that thank you very much indeed Andy, Alison, Rob and Gareth it has been your City Talk this week you see <laughs> we lost a game of football against Real Madrid we absolutely march on
0: Sports Social Podcast Network